You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Psalm 71, the title of my message tonight is The Saint's Sunset Song. Say that ten times fast. The Saint's Sunset Song. And uh, I'm going to tell you something at the beginning of this that uh, I know is dangerous, but I have nine points. Everyone's like, oh, no. I told myself, go to church on Wednesday. and I'm going to give you all the points to begin with, I promise you. I'm not going to be any longer than usual, hour and a half, and we should be done. So they all start with P, okay? So first of all, I'm going to talk about his problem. His past, his present, his petition, I'll, I'll go over these again and you'll, you'll get them as we go. His perseverance, his purpose, his prediction, his praise, and his prize. Go over that again. His problem, his past, his present, his petition, his perseverance, his purpose, his prediction, his praise, and his prize. The saints sunset song. Since I made the decision to stop watching sports for the foreseeable future, I have taken to watching highlights from back when sports were actually good. And uh, when they weren't all political and wimpy. And I came across a video of a baseball game between the Chicago White Sox and the Texas Rangers from 1993 when I was two years old. The batter for the White Sox was a 26-year-old from Santa Maria, California named Robin Ventura. The pitcher for the Rangers was a 46-year-old from Refugio, Texas named Nolan Ryan. So that should tell you right there. And it was an important game of the season, and as with any important game, with men involved, the competition was heated, but the competition boiled over when Nolan Ryan pegged Mr. Ventura in the back. And it was at this moment that Mr. Ventura made one of the greatest mistakes of his career. Gentlemen, do you know where I'm going with this? You know what I'm talking about? And uh, he decided he was going to charge the mound and teach the 46-year-old a lesson. Before Mr. Ventura could even throw a punch, Mr. Ryan put him in a headlock and began teaching him a lesson. The lesson consisted of six punches to Mr. Ventura's face. And while the younger man walked away, you know, they said Nolan Ryan threw four pitches that inning, and he threw six punches that inning. While the younger man walked away with no external scars, I'm sure his brain was forever scarred with the words, age does not mean weakness. Now, I like being around somebody who's old in body but young at heart. Now, I am not going to give an age limit to this, to this message. I will tell you, I am preaching to the older crowd. You know who you are. I'm not going to put a... Well, I will say this. There is nothing more depressing than somebody who is 30 years old. And there is nothing more delightful than somebody who's 80 years young. You know what I'm talking about? 
I'm not, I'm not like bashing 30-year-olds. I'm just trying to give an illustration here. Now, let me tell you why I'm preaching this message. I attended that pastor's conference last week, and it was a blessing. It was an incredible blessing. Seeing my family was a blessing. Surprising my mom and dad with the family was a blessing. Sitting next to my brother during the services, that was a blessing. He got, he got off work, and we were able to sit next to each other. Uh, meeting new preachers was a blessing. Catching up with old friends. Hearing preaching was very much a blessing. But none of those were the greatest blessing to me. I went wanting preaching and expecting preaching, and I got preaching, and it certainly was a blessing. I, I was not expecting what the greatest blessing was to me. The greatest blessing was seeing the older members of that church that I grew up at still sitting in their same spot. You know how Baptists are. We have our spot. And that helps me as a preacher because I know when you're missing them. I can, oh, oh, there, there, there. But we have our spot, and they were still sitting there. They were still faithful. They were still smiling. They were still singing. In a way, it was a little bittersweet, but it was a blessing. I saw Brother Hall and Mrs. Hall. Now, maybe you don't know who they are. Brother Hall came here with the Providence Baptist Tour Group a couple years ago, and Brother Hall I mean, he was a major in the army. He was, he, they were members from before I was born. And I remember Brother Hall, um, he was a principal at the time, principal of the school, and you did not mess with Brother Hall. And uh, in third grade, I was able to join the varsity orchestra, and Brother Hall was the conductor. And I got in trouble with him, I think on the first or second day, and uh, learned not to mess with Brother Hall. He was the band director. He was a prof the professor in college, and I was sitting there in kind of the left front of the auditorium, and he went up to give uh, a lecture, and he was limping up to the pulpit. I'd never seen him do that. And he never exuded weakness in any way. But then he got up there and he spoke... <laughs> And he spoke like he was 15. Just incredible. Mrs. Hall. I remember learning how to swim from Mrs. Hall in, in a swimming pool in the backyard of Preacher's House in November in Illinois. Bad idea. You had to crack open the ice, but she was teaching us how to swim. And uh, she was my choir teacher growing up. And she had some lighter hair. She was a little slower. But she got up and she sung a special. She was the same. Brother and Mrs. Putnam. Brother Putnam was a faithful layman. You recognize the name because we support Keith Putnam to Brazil. And Luke Putnam was here for the Providence Baptist Tour Group. Luke and I grew up. Luke was the grade old, older than me and Keith was two grades younger than me. But Brother Putnam, he was just a faithful layman. He sung in the choir. He sung specials. And his hair was just white. But I talked to him about Keith, his son, and you would think he was 25, talking about his son, grinning from ear to ear. Mrs. Putnam was my English teacher. That's why I talk so good. Um, the first day I was in Miss Putnam's class in high school, we had those desks that had the little groove here at the top of the desk where you could put your pen. And I thought I would write my name in the groove. And Mrs. Putnam caught me on the first day of class. Brother Che, 
If I see you writing on that desk one more time, you will go to Brother Walker's principal office so quick your head will swim. Yes, ma'am. White hair, but smiling. Brother Anderson, he used to preach. Oh, man, he would, he would, go, for, he would go for an hour and a half. He led singing. He was the assistant pastor. He had wrinkles. He had gray hair, but there he was sitting and smiling. Mrs. Lenard, she was my piano teacher, a little older, but still playing like she was 20. And I learned a lot from the preaching. I gained a lot from the fellowship, but I believe I was, I was more blessed by the faithfulness of those older Christians than anything else. And you know, the devil attacks everybody, whether you're young or you're old. Uh, as long as we're alive, Satan is going to do his best to distract and discourage and destroy. And age brings no reprieve from the fiery darts of the wicked. When Christians are children, he tells us the lie that fun is more important than God. When we're teens, he tells us the lie that the world has more to offer than God. When we're young adults, he tells us the lie that we can still have a relationship with God without putting God first as we grow older, he tells us the lie that God's word isn't relevant for our changing lives. And when the bodies of Christians start slowing down because of health or age, he comes with yet another lie. And the lie is the subject of Psalm 71. In the verses we read at the beginning, it becomes clear that the writer of this psalm, we don't know who it is. Remember, we went through psalms and usually we have uh, an introduction Usually we have a title. We don't have a title. If you were to put a gun to my head and say, who wrote this? I would say David. So I might be saying his name throughout, but honestly, we do not know. Uh, but we can tell that the writer has a problem. And again, that was, that was point number one. And although he trusts the Lord, and you can see that in verse one, uh, this problem is threatening to put him in confusion. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, how short you've been a Christian. Confusion is our constant temptation and our constant tendency. God is not the author of confusion, though. We need to remember that. In verse 2, this problem has him feeling like he's cornered. Deliver me. Cause me to escape. In verse 3, the problem has him deeply concerned. I need to be able to continually resort to you. Lord, you've given commandment to save me. In verse 4, the problem makes him feel as if he's been captured. Deliver me, oh my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. And even though he's obviously bothered by this problem, we don't know what the problem is just yet. But he's talking about this problem. All we know is that he has a problem and he's going to God for deliverance and he's praying to God for deliverance about this problem because God has always been there, number two, in his past. Look in verse 5. For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holden up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Three separate times in these verses, the psalmist references... His past, how God was his trust from his youth, how God held him up from the womb, how God was the one who took him from his mother's bowels. In verse 7, he gives the implication that many people looked at his past and were very impressed. I am as a wonder unto many, but he knew, he knew it was because, it, it was because of God. 
that he was able, that people were able to say that. God has always been there for him in his past, and that's why he was praying to God in his present. And it's here in the psalm that we see the lie that Satan is telling this man. Look in verse 9. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. Now let's stop here. In the previous verses we saw his past. Now we see number three, his present. What is his present condition? Well, he's not young anymore. His strength is failing him. And Satan is using his current situation to tell him a very troubling lie. Look in verse 10. For mine enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him. Persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. When people looked at his past, they looked in wonder. But now his enemies are mocking him. God's done with you. You're not the man that you used to be. You can't do what you used to do. You lost your edge. You've lost a step, and we're coming for you. And when we come for you, you're not going to be able to help yourself, and there's nobody that's going to be there to help you either. And I've seen Satan tell this lie to somebody who's 30, as well as somebody who's 80. People who go through a health issue or people who go through an accident, a, a, a physical accident, people who are dealing with exhaustion, people who are dealing with physical pain. I know ladies that I grew up with in, up, up north and they had MS. And they knew it's just going to be a matter of time before the pain was going to take over their body or they had arthritis, crippling arthritis. And they knew it was only going to be a matter of time before they were going to lose, lose control over their body. It happens through accidents. It happens through health issues, physical pain. It happens when we have kids. And you're asking yourself over and over, why did we have kids? Why didn't we have kid? Why did we have kids? You know when you have children, when you stop looking at your spouse and saying goodnight, you look at them and you say, good luck. You don't get sleep. There's constantly something going on. And Satan comes in and he tells you, God's done with you. Your schedule's too full. Your body's too weak. You're in too much pain. You can't do what you used to do anymore. And like the psalmist, it's easy to feel confused. Is that true? It's easy to feel cornered because it's constant. It's easy to feel concerned. I don't want that to be the truth. It's easy to feel captured because it takes over your mind. This lie of the devil. You can't sing like you used to. You run out of breath. You can't work in the nursery like you used to. You can't bend over and pick up kids. Some of these kids are beasts. <laughs> no, it's the, the weight, the weight of them. It's like they have lead in their diapers or something. They're just dense. You can't walk door to door like you used to. 
especially in the summer here, it's just hot. You just sweat. It's humid. You can't kneel in an altar like you used to. Well, you could kneel, but you can't get back up. <laughs> You'll be kneeling permanently. You can't serve like you used to. And I've, I've seen Christians that seem to believe, because I can't do what I used to, I may as well just not do anything at all. And it's because the devil is in their ear saying, it's time to quit. The Lord can't use you anymore. You've lost a step. And they begin to listen to him. But I like the response. And this is why I think it's David. It's got to be David. I like the response that this saint gives. Number four, his petition. Look in verse 12. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. He's basically saying, I may have lost a step, but I haven't lost my faith. And Christian, let's all determine something tonight. As we get older and as our body gets weaker and our eyes grow dimmer and we have to use these and all of that, you know, technically I'm supposed to be using bifocals. I'm 29. I'm supposed to be using bifocals. I won't do it. I'm not even the lineless ones. I just can't. I just can't do it. But as we grow in the Lord, as we grow in body and we face more battles, don't give in to the temptation to rely more on our experience than we rely on the Lord. Don't rely on our proficiency more than we rely on prayer. The devil is coming at him with an all-out attack and it's concerning him. It's capturing his mind and it's, is it true? It's confusing him. But he's not going to just mull this over in his mind. I'm going to the Lord. Lord, let them be confounded. Let them be put to shame. I'm turning to you. And then look at his decision, number five, his perseverance. Verse 14. But I will hope continually. I will yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness even of thine only. Maybe his body was a little slower. Maybe his eyes were a little dimmer. Maybe his ears were a little duller, but he said, I don't care. I'm going to keep going. Maybe I can't help like I used to, but I can hope. Maybe I can't fight like I used to, but I can praise. Maybe I can't move my feet like I used to, but I can move my mouth and I can make known the righteousness and the salvation of the Lord. And not only will I do those things, I'll do them continually. I'll do them more and more. I'll do them all the day. For I know not the numbers thereof. That can either be meaning a couple of different things. It can be talking about the fact that even, even as we get older, God's salvation and God's righteousness, that's never going to get any older. It's always going to be there. You can never, his righteousness, his grace, his mercy, innumerable, always innumerable. Or it could be talking about the day. It says, I'm going to do it all the day for I know not the numbers thereof. I don't know how much I have left. So I'm going to spend every day fighting and doing something more for the Lord. The day will come when our strength fails us, like in verse 9. It will come. 
And here comes Satan telling us to give up. Well, you tell him I won't give up. I will go in the strength of the Lord. That's what he says in verse 16. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. Even when he was old, he relied upon the strength of God to go forward because there was still work to be done. God still had a purpose for him. He wasn't used up. He was fired up, ready to go. And that's number six, his purpose in verse 17. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto, up to this point, have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. Who has done great things? O God, who is like unto thee? His strength was failing, but he could still show this next generation how strong the Lord was. He could still show God's power to this next generation. He could still show God's righteousness to this next generation. No, he couldn't do a lot of the fighting anymore, but I'm going to show this next generation how to fight properly. Leave it to the younger kids? No. Not until I teach them how to fight. Not until I teach them how good God is. Not until I teach them how great God is to me. The sun might be setting. He still had a song to sing. The devil was fighting, but he still had some fight left in him. And as God had taught him from his youth, now he was going to teach what God had taught him. There's a verse in Judges chapter 2 that said, There arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. One of the reasons we're losing the younger generation is because the older generation is believing Satan's lie. Now, a big reason why we're losing the younger generation is because the younger generation is lazy and they don't want to be a disciple. And it takes discipline to be a disciple. And teenagers learn that now. But even as difficult as it is to serve the Lord, his yoke is easy when compared to the world. But the older generation is believing Satan's lie as we lose a step, or as this and that, well, just, just sit out. God's done with you. Nothing is more poisonous to the body than a lack of purpose. Satan's life, have you ever seen somebody who's, who's old, really up in age, 80, 85 years old, 90 years old, and they're still working, they're still doing something? And then they retire, or they give up on a hobby, and then they're just at home. And there's nothing left for them to do. There's, no, there's nothing to get up for in the morning, and they go down quickly. There is nothing more poisonous to the body than a lack of purpose. So Satan's lie to the saint is a loss of strength means a loss of purpose. And that's not true. It's a lie. You say, no, as long as we're alive, God has a purpose. God has a purpose for me. And there may come a day when we can no longer walk and we can no longer kneel or sing out or actively serve, but we can always hope. We can always praise. We can always show forth his righteousness. We can always go in the strength of the Lord and we can always teach. We can always teach the next generation how it's done. 
When this man found that renewed purpose, look at his prediction, number seven. Verse 20 and 21. Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles shalt quicken me again and shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Where once was discouragement, there would now be revival. While the devil was telling him to lie down, God would bring him up again from the depths of the earth. Because serving God has nothing to do with age. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It has nothing to do with age. Number eight, his praise. Verse 22, I will also praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou holy one of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, and then his prize. For they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. Remember his petition in verse 13? What did he ask for? Let them be confounded and consumed. Let them be covered with reproach. And in verse, what is it here? Verse 24, it's done. They are confounded. They are brought to shame. His petition came from the problem that came from Satan's lie that God was done with him. But when God sees this warrior cry out and say, God, don't forsake me. Don't forsake me now that I am old. When I am old and gray-headed, Lord, use me. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. Not until I've shown this next generation how good you are. Take these enemies away from me. And you know what the Lord says? I'll hear that prayer. And I'll answer that prayer. And I will quicken you. I'll strengthen you. And I'll use you. I'll use you more than when you were young. People looked at his past with wonder, but he knew it was all because of God. I am, a wonder, I am as a wonder unto many, he said, but thou art my strong refuge. But now, even going forward, God still had a purpose for him. And as much as I wonder at a young person who is sold out for God, I wonder more at a senior saint, at an older Christian who is still faithful. And let me tell you this, God will not only bless your faithfulness, but your faithfulness will be a blessing to a little kid who grew up watching you. I knew where they sat. Who grew up being taught by you English and grammar and just how to carry yourself. Like, like Titus 2 says, that an older man is supposed to teach the younger and the older lady is supposed to teach the younger how to be sober and just how to live, how to be a good Christian, how to be a good citizen. Your faithfulness will be a blessing to a little kid who's watching you, and someday God's will might take him clear across the country to do something that he never thought he was going to do before. And he'll come back to these pews five years, ten years later, and he'll see you still sitting, still singing, still serving, still faithful. And you will be a greater blessing 
you will ever know. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.